Hello and welcome everyone to episode three of the Telford Tigers podcast titled Right Back Where We Started From. I'm James Liu and pleased to be joined this evening by Scott McKenzie and Steve Molyneux. And we have something really special lined up for this show as we will be joined in a little while by none other than the original Tigers legend, that is Chuck Taylor, and also part of the same British Division One winning team of 1987-88. We have Tigers assistant coach Carl Creamer joining us as well. And if that's not enough, we also have Tom Watkins, who will be uh, taking part in the interview with us. Uh, so exciting stuff indeed. Cannot wait to hear what those guys have to say. But first things first, Scott, welcome back to the podcast. And how are you keeping? Hi, guys. Yeah, doing, uh, doing good. Um, just uh, working away uh, like we all do. Um, obviously, the, with the coronavirus and everything, the restrictions are easing a little bit. So. Life is almost getting back to normal, but um, just playing a bit of golf on the weekend, spending time with um, Clarice and Billy and yeah, watching her grow real quick. She just seems to be getting bigger and bigger every time we come on here. She's, uh, she's weighing a lot more, a little bit harder to carry up the stairs. Um, but yeah, everything's good. Um, I just one thing I want to mention, I've, uh, the last couple of weeks I've been watching a thing on Netflix called The Last Dance. Um, it's, it's all set around Michael Jordan who I'm sure most people know he was a phenomenal, one of the best athletes in the world. He was a phenomenal basketball player. Um, and it's about his story and his life, how he kind of rose to fame uh, real quick and about his his personality, how he, he, you know, he was so passionate, but his work ethic, you know, was second to none. And as much as he had all the talent in the world, it was, you know, it was his work ethic that really got him to where he was. I just wanted to give it a little... A little plug. I think anyone that you know needs a bit of motivation or needs, you know, to see that they can, you know, I don't know, get get somewhere in their life, but they need something to to focus on. This documentary is is second to none. So, yeah, like I say, it's called The Last Dance. Um, it's a great watch, and even if you're not into basketball, I would highly recommend it. Thanks for that, Scott. Yeah, I think um, I'm certainly a Netflix fan, I think, like most of our listeners. And, uh, you know, especially with COVID-19, I think we're all watching a fair bit of uh, streaming service uh, uh, box sets or, or movies and so forth. So definitely one on the list. Sounds, sounds really interesting there. Um, used to watch a bit of basketball myself. I think I think it used to be on the TV, the highlights uh, from the NBA and things like that. So, no, that's interesting stuff. Thanks for sharing. And um, Steve, uh, it's your first time for you on our podcast, so a really warm welcome. Thanks for joining us. How are you feeling about taking part? Yeah, really looking forward to it. It's, uh, I've, uh, I've heard uh, a couple of the first ones, and uh, I think it's fantastic. Uh, something new and fresh for the Tigers fans, and um, hopefully uh, we can make it uh, thoroughly enjoyable every time we uh, get it out there. Um, yeah, I've been the same as Scott. With the, obviously with the lockdown easing slightly, but I've been uh, I turned my hand to <laughs> instead of uh, going and doing always at the ice rink with the juniors or you know helping out with the tigers and etc. Uh, I've been mountain biking and uh, I've put a load of miles in lately. Um, uh, as you know, I've been I've been doing it with yourself. Um, yeah, I've been, I've really enjoyed it. I've got out there and the countryside and it's been fantastic. But uh, yeah, it's all uh, it's all changed, and uh, looking forward to doing this podcast. Uh, just just uh, while while I'm on, um, Seattle Kraken uh, have announced. Uh, obviously, the Seattle announced their name, Kraken, and uh, their jersey logo. What are your thoughts on that, guys, uh, James? Yeah, yeah, something I've only just uh, sort of noticed myself today uh, from, uh, I think it was CA Sportsnet that it popped up on. And uh, yeah, it's interesting because I think um, it was announced, I think, a good couple of years back, possibly, um, that uh, Seattle would be the new franchise joining the uh, 21 to 22 season. So obviously, we should be hopefully seeing um, those new sets of fans and the stadium, uh, sorry, the, uh, the ice uh, arena as well and everything like that. Um, kicking off uh, in a little over a year when, when that season starts uh, next year. Um, but yeah, be be interesting. I think it then puts um, puts a, a even numbers out in terms of uh, 16 franchises in, both, in the Eastern and Western conferences. 
Um, so yeah, really looking forward to, you know, it's always exciting. I think uh, people can uh, remember back to not so long ago when the, uh, um, the uh, Vegas Golden Knights uh, was the new franchise, the, the new guys in town. And uh, yeah, it's, it's really easy. I think it, really good. I think it always injects a bit of um, uh, extra excitement into into something like the NHL. Just like I guess at every level, you know, when there's a new team, uh, new sets of guys coming in, you know, it'd be interesting to see how they get on. I uh, I was actually in Vegas when um, they drafted the team, so I was there when they drafted the team in, in Vegas. Oh, cool. And uh, cool. yeah, I can I can remember them drafting um, Mark Andre Fleury, James Neal. James, the real deal, Neil, they called him back then. <laughs> I wouldn't call him that anymore. But, uh, yeah, like, uh, they, they had the NHL awards and then they drafted the players and then a few days later they had the actual um, draft in, I think it was in Chicago, but they live-streamed it in the arena. So I remember sitting in the arena when um, the draft was going on and it was empty. And I was just sat there thinking, you know, how is this city who's never had a sports team, like an official sports team, um, how are they going to be able to make this work? I just couldn't see how it was going to work. Um, and then I went home a couple of months later. They had the tragedy of um, the shootings in Las mm. Vegas from the Mandalay Bay. The guy set up and he shot right across at a concert, yeah, a country music yeah. concert. Yeah, I remember that. Like, yeah. I think it was the 54, 56 people he killed. Um, and, and the the way the city came together, but the way the Vegas Golden Knights helped the local community and did what they could um, to give back, I think the community really got behind them and supported them, and they had an absolutely unforgettable season. Um, they made it to the final of the Stanley Cup, uh, and I was just like a super fan straight away. I absolutely loved what they did. Um, I've got some Vegas merch myself, and I bought a couple of hats while I was out there, and yeah, it was just... I, I, for someone who or I knew what Vegas was like I'd been there before I just couldn't see how they were going to make it work but um, to see them become successful um, and what they've done over a couple of seasons there's now one of the places where I think every player in the NHL wants to play um, I think it's phenomenal Yeah it's definitely been a, been, a, been a massive success story I think for the NHL so yeah no interesting times for the NHL, and uh, obviously we'll we'll go on to interesting times uh, for for the for our NIHL National League. Uh, uh, but before we just go straight into that, um, obviously, as always, give a big shout out to Kieran, our technical producer, uh, who's always always here with his uh, with his uh, computer and uh, Zoom wizardry that we're hosting this on. So thanks, Kieran. Um, so yeah, let's let's go into the the kind of specific bits and pieces that we really wanted to chat about uh, for this episode. Um, so the first one, really, I, I guess more for you, Scott, because you're obviously keeping a BDI on the player movements and, and the goings-on in the national signings. Um, in particular, MK Lightning and Raiders, uh, I think, have, have got some interesting uh, things going on with their roster. Do you want to talk to us a bit about those teams, please? Yes. So both teams have had a lot of re-signings, um, but also a couple of new players coming in. Um, so Milton Keynes, they've re-signed Jordan Lodi and Brandon Stones, uh, both netminders. Lodi's probably going to get the number one spot. Um, last year they had Dean Skins as well because I think Lodi got injured. Um, so they brought Skins in um, and then Stones got injured. So they had a few issues in the netminder department. Um, but I would say Lodi is the natural choice for number one. He's a very good goalie. He's young, athletic. Um, he's got great ability. Um, so I, I see him kind of taking that spot. Um, in defence, they've re-signed Ross Green, James Griffin, Lee Jameson, Sam Russell, um, all very good players. Um, there is a rumour that they're bringing in Ed Nags from Bracknell, but it's just a rumour at the moment. Um, if they can get him, that's a massive addition to their roster. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, Forwards-wise, they've re-signed Howden Barnes-Garner, Russell Cowley, Rio Grinnell Park, Robin Colbar, Grant McPherson, and Liam Stewart. Um, all of those guys, I think, like the heartbeat players, kind of Grant McPherson, Barnes Garner, Rio Grinnell Park, they're all very capable. But the, the three, Cowley, Stewart, and Colbar, um, are, are just high quality players in our league. They're you know, very capable of putting up good numbers. 
Um, Kovar struggled with injury at the end of last season, but again, um, a very, very good import um, when in the right place. And he seems to have settled in Milton Keynes very well. So it'll be interesting to see how they do. Um, they've also signed Bobby Chamberlain from Hull and Edgar's Bebris from Swindon, who are both, um, you know, 60 to 70 points um, for Bebris <laughs> and, and Chamberlain. If he could stay healthy and, and stay out the penalty box, he's capable of getting anywhere between 70 to 90 points. So I think uh, adding 130, 150 points to their roster um, is very, very good for them. And it's going to make it difficult for the other teams to keep up. OK, so sounds like MK are, are looking good already for next season. Uh, and what about uh, Raiders, Scott? Yeah, so currently they've always re-signed one goalie in Ethan James, a, a young kid. Uh, he, he came back to Romford last season. He's actually spent a lot of time uh, with OHA in Swindon. Um, but he's been playing over Canada or America. Uh, he's come back and played played the end of last season with um, London Raiders and put in some real good performances. So uh, I imagine he'll be their number one goalie. Um, they had a, another goalie called Michael Gray, who's retired. Uh, actually, a friend of mine. Um, like to wish him the best of luck in his retirement. Um, they've re-signed Sean Barry, Jack Cooper, Dan Scott, Callum Wells in defence. Um, and forwards, Brandon Ailiff, Oliver Baldock, Aaron Conley, Tommy Huggett, Eric Piatak, JJ Pitchley, Jacob Branson, Lucas Slagkowski and Jake Sylvester. Um, all of those guys returning from last season, all very capable, very good players. Um, they have another year of learning under their belts at the National League level. Um, and I'm sure they're, they're going to come back um, a, a pretty strong team next season. Um, they've also signed Harry Gulliver, um, who is a, a young kid, again, been in, uh, I think he's been in America, and Ogden Mustangs, um, very good player. Um, and I expect uh, him to be on their top, in their top six forwards um, next season. So, again, the Raiders, they look solid. That's them. Um, they've got 10 forwards, 4D, one goalie. So, They've only got a couple of slots left to fill, um, and I'm pr- I expect them to be, you know, pushing, pushing to get further up the table next season. Interesting stuff, and uh, yeah, j- just I guess talking about um, a particular netminder, as you say, Mr. Gray retiring. I think that uh, interesting enough. We we we've also heard uh, very recently that uh, a local, well-known uh, Daniel Brittle, affectionately known as Dangy. Uh, who'd obviously spent time with the, uh, at Telford, but but finishing his career at the uh, Barons has announced his retirement. Um, Steve, do you, do you know anything about uh, Dan Dan Brittle? Well, I I, I don't know him personally. Um, I I've, I've come across Adam um, through the junior system. Obviously, Adam plays for Solihull as well. Um, uh, but uh, no, obviously. Dan uh, started his career at Telford as a junior with his brothers. Um, uh, went on to uh, go to Blackburn Hawks the 06-07 season. Um, during that time, uh, he, after that, he came back, obviously, uh, for a season, back to Telford, then re-signed again with Blackburn for the 09 season. Uh, won, won a few trophies there. Um, and he's kind of yo-yoed and come back to Telford again um, uh, for a year. I think he played for the NIHL. Was it the NIHL one team or t- for the yeah. two? Uh, yeah, yeah. Na- he played a, a season for the NIHL two. Was it? No, it was National League One. Uh, National League One. That's it. Yeah, I think he was joint coach with Budsey. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, with. Uh, uh, Dan, um, and then obviously he's, he's, he's finished off at Solio, um, and he's had a he's had a good career. Um, obviously, he's uh, he has his times. Everybody knows about him. He has his times, and uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, he's having a he's having a baby, and um, obviously he's going to uh, just uh, hang up his uh, kit for now. Who knows? Might be back, might not be. <laughs> so, yeah, good luck to him um, and all the best. Yeah, I mean, I, I've known Dangi um, for for a number of years. Obviously, I played in Telford a long time and 
I, I was uh, really close to Luke when, when Luke played in Telford. So um, when, I, I, when I first came to Telford, Addy was playing at Milton Keynes, Dangy was at Blackburn, um, and Luke was playing here in Telford. So um, there was times where I would go around the Brutus house and, and all the guys would be there. And there's also another brother, Stuart, as well, who was in Sheffield at that time. Um, and, and you know what? What a lovely family, a real good family. Um, all very, very close. They all look after each other. But I think the one thing to say about Dangi is that he was actually a better goalie than, than National League 1 or National League 2. Um, I think for, for the most part, the reason he probably played at that level was because there was a little bit less commitment. Um, he, he was, at the time when he was younger, I know he was training to be a teacher. He's now a fully-fledged teacher, um, a very good teacher at that. Um, uh, and... He's probably like a lot of guys where, you know, the money the money was never really there to be a, a backup or push a, a number one um, in the EPL so or the Elite League. Um, so I think he was kind of left with, you know, he could be a very good goalie at NIHL one level and spent a lot of years in Blackburn and done a very, very good job as a player and a coach there. Um, and I think he found a home in Blackburn similar to me here in Salford. Um, and he thoroughly enjoyed it. I think anyone that could drive two hours to an ice rink on a Thursday night um, to go on the ice at 10.30 and not get home till gone one, two in the morning and do that for six or seven consecutive years kind of tells you the person that Dangy was. So, um, mm-hmm. I say was. He, he is. Um, you know, he's a, he, he was a very good goalie, uh, totally committed to hockey. Um, and I think, uh, you know, he's done a good job in Solihull for three years. But, the time has come where he's decided that, yeah, he's he's gonna, you know, have a baby and he's gonna spend time with the family and and write this off. So, um, Dangi, if you're listening, good luck. Uh, I'm sure I'll, we have I have spoke to him and I plan to play golf with him at some point this summer. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I wish him good luck and and everything outside of hockey. And just on a byproduct of that, I also want to wish um, I got another good friend of mine, Callum Bowley, very good luck as a new Solihull coach. Um, Bowers is a very good player, but also, you know, a, ve- a very good coach. We've seen that here in Telford, and I'm sure he'd be very successful there. Super, yeah, yeah and um, definitely um, share, share our well wishes to, uh, to Dangi, who's, uh, who's going to, um, who's announced his retirement. And uh, as, as you say, Scott, as well, you know, good luck to Callum, kind of got to know a little bit about, uh, got to meet and know a little bit about Callum, um, so I know I'm sure he'll do a great job there as well. Um, and just moving on to, uh, uh, I guess, something that our listeners will really be keen to uh, hear some thoughts on is, it seems like the Telford Ice Rink is finally going to reopen on the 1st of August, just over a week away. Um, obviously, we're still yet to hear about when training and so forth from juniors to seniors when that will actually um, come into effect so so the players can get back into regular training. Uh, but Steve, you know, what, what's your thoughts on, uh, uh, you know, finally, um, it sounds like ice hockey is coming back. Yeah, I, I think it's it's fantastic news. Um, I think it's a long time coming. I know uh, lots, have got, lots have gone on with this COVID thing. But I think there's a lot of kids now that, you know, especially in the ice hockey kind of circles that are, they haven't touched the ice for what is it now? What are we looking at? Three, four months? March, March. Yeah, yeah since yeah. The end of towards end of March, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. With three, so, four months. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of kids out there. You know, just just from the hockey side of things, the junior system. The kids don't usually stop. They, you know, the the seniors stop and they they have a break. But the the kids don't stop. They go to camps and they they keep themselves going in it. It's been a hard thing. I know personally from, from my kids who play hockey, you know, it's been hard for them not to get on the ice, especially the one. Uh, he, you know, he, it was unfortunate this year. He made the England team and the team didn't go away to Finland. Um, so it's, it, it's been hard for, for kids to, to, for something that they've done for, for many years to, to, to stop. Um, and I think it's great for them to be to to just have the green light to get back now. Um, obviously, there's other issues that we're going to have to deal with. You know, uh, talking about in the next 24 hours, obviously the mask rule will come in, where we we walk into shops and we've got to wear our masks um, to walk in the shops and walk around. 
I know for one, I'm going to think, I think I'm going to forget doing it. I'm going to be told off or something as I walk into a shop because it's just not on my mind. Um, and maybe it should be, maybe I should be a bit more kind of strict with myself regarding that. Um, but, um, I find it strange, you know, the, the, the way that you, you, we've got to walk in the shops and, and put the masks on, um, and yet pubs and restaurants, you don't have to. It, it seems contradicting itself, but obviously the government know what they're doing, so to speak. So we've got to go along with it. I, I went out for the first time, not for the first time, I haven't been locked up for three months, but I went out to a pub last week uh, with a couple of friends and it was it was strange. It was really strange to go out and sit at a table and, just to have that taken away from you, the, the mingling, the social side of it, um, it, it was it was strange. Um, it's it's it'll take a, a little bit of getting used to, but yeah, definitely a big thing with the rinks reopening. Hopefully, we can uh, get that pattern going of keeping safe distance and get the hockey back to what we we all expect to. We want to see these guys back on the ice, the the seniors, the juniors. Um, yeah, it can only be a good thing as long as it doesn't uh, upset the the old spike, as they say, with COVID. I, uh, if I could just jump in, I think um, when I was a kid in Scotland, we would play hockey uh, from say September, um, and the the ice rink would close. I'm pretty sure it was Easter weekend. We would have Ice Hockey UK, which was the final tournament of the year for our junior club. Um, and the ice rink would close, but well, they wouldn't close, but they would lift the ice. Um, yeah. So there was no ice hockey, absolutely no ice hockey from, I think it was around about the end of April, all the way until September. So for me as a as a an adult now, watching the kids where they've not been able to get on the ice from, say, April right through to now, I, I think it's a positive thing because it's allowed them to miss the game. It's allowed them to get away from it because I know in Salford for the last however many years they've not even had like I think last year they had a month off if yeah. the yeah. year before that I don't think they even had a month off mm. so yeah. you know you're talking that the kids are going to the rink for you know what 23 months out of two years that's nuts when you think about it it's absolutely you know the kids need a break they need to miss the game they need to be doing other sports get out play football play badminton squash whatever it may be you know, do something different and, and miss the game. They need to miss the game. So um, I, I think it's really important that the kids have, have been able to, to get away from the rink and, and, and miss it and, and want to come back. I think that's really important. Um, I'd also like to say that I, I haven't missed hockey one iota. I loved winning the league. <laughs> I love winning the cup. But I have really enjoyed watching my little girl grow up um, and being there every weekend um, and I've also enjoyed going to the golf course um, so you know I'm, I'm excited for the new season to start but if it starts a little bit later that's fine by me um, just while I'm on it as well I'm going to talk a little bit about Fife um, my good friend of mine Kyle Horn uh, I played with him in Edinburgh I've played a lot of junior hockey against him um, he was always about a foot and a half taller than me um, but a great guy uh, just an absolute beauty of a person and well known around British ice hockey. He announced his retirement a couple of months ago from Solway Sharks. Um, and I've just clicked on to um, Twitter there and seen that he's just announced he's come out of retirement and he's signing for the Kirkcaldy Kestrels, um, which is in the SNL in the Scottish National League. Um, so, you know, I, <laughs> I love that he's actually been retired when absolutely no ice hockey is, has been missed. Um, he's <laughs> it, it, come back to the game and that, that guy will pass on a wealth of knowledge um, to those younger players in Kirkcaldy. Um, and uh, if he is listening, I'm sure he's not, but if he is listening, uh, Kyle, I wish you all the best um, uh, with the Kestrels. Super. And and just to finish off, I guess, um, before we, we, we um, will speak to our eagerly anticipated uh, guests, um, I will also notice from the junior perspective, uh, we've got Jake Bryceland, who's... Uh, 
going to be uh, traveling to Norway and spending at least, I, I believe, a couple of years out there uh, doing what he loves most, you know, um, playing hockey and uh, doing his studies over there as part of uh, an academy. And also uh, uh, Dan Sirkins, who's um, going to be uh, going to Switzerland to um, sort of, uh, I guess, play and uh, uh, and kind of play, play his hockey over there and uh, kind of effectively moving to that country. Um, so any thoughts, guys, on, on those two uh, players out of the Telford Junior system moving to Pastures yeah. New? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, Jake was a late. So I, from being in with the Telford, being part of the Telford Junior system, obviously, um, Jake knew Jake from. He started quite late, um, and he's he's progressed and he's uh, he's worked so hard, and I wish him all the best. Um, and and Daniel Sirkins, I think he's a fantastic little player. Um, I hope he does well. He's fantastic parents of both kids, and. Um, I hope they do well. Daniels is obviously going to Switzerland and um, I'm sure he'll get on. He's a fantastic little player as well. So I wish them all the best. Um, Scotty obviously knows them as well from his junior uh, time. So, um, yeah. Um, what do you think, Scott? I, I think I, I think Jake's done incredibly well for someone who hasn't been playing that long. Um, he, he obviously... He worked very, very hard on his skating, um, which ultimately, when he was playing second year fifteens, it just put him a step ahead of everyone else because he was he was just bigger, stronger, faster. Um, I think last year he maybe got found out a little bit under eighteens because he wasn't able to just skate from end to end and score, um, and it was difficult for him, a little bit more challenging for him. But certainly, going to Norway will be a different level of game from that, um, and it'll be interesting to see how he does. I wish him best of luck. Um, and I, I hope that he's successful. I think is the main thing for me is that if Jake's gone there and he's studying and he's he's still learning, that's as as important as the hockey. Um, you know, so again, Jake, if you're listening, make sure you you work hard, but make sure you work hard in the classroom as well, because I never did that as a youngster, and I wish I did. Um, it is super important. You know, don't there's more to life than ice hockey, so it's definitely important that you you work hard in school too. Um, for Daniels. My opinion, one of the hottest prospects coming through the junior club in Telford. Um, a fantastic little hockey player. Um, a very good brain. Sees the ice very well. Um, great little player. Um, am I surprised he's leaving? No. Um, I'm unsure about Switzerland uh, junior hockey, but I imagine it's a lot better than what we have in, in the UK. Um, and I'm sure that the family have done a lot of studying and investigating into what's right for Daniels. Um, and and I, I will be following that kid to see where he ends up because he has got tons of ability um, and I'm sure that uh, he will become a very, very good hockey player as he gets older. Fantastic. Thank, thanks for sharing your insights, guys. And uh, yeah, just to say again, we really do wish... Uh, those two, uh, those two lads, uh, Jake and Dan, uh, you know, all the best and, and send our well wishes as they, uh, as they move to a new environment and uh, pursue their love of hockey. So, as mentioned at the very start of this podcast, we have two very special guests who have now joined us, or shall I say, virtually arrived. Uh, welcome to the show, Mr. Chuck Taylor and Mr. Carl Creamer. A big thank you for coming on the show today. Uh, if I start with you, Chuck, how's things going? How's life treating you? Uh, well, life's okay. Uh, you know, up until the uh, lockdown, uh, I had uh, was was fine, no problem. Uh, but I've had a hundred days without work, which is not good. Uh, and uh, so now I'm just getting back into the grind again, doing a few things, and uh, so it's okay. Uh, life's life's fine, no problem at all. Good, great, good to hear you hear you keeping well. And uh, Carl, how how's things with you? How's things at your end? Nice to have you on board. Yeah, good. Good. We're in the middle of nowhere, so lockdown is and, and social distancing is is not too strange to what we normally do. I've always worked from home, and and thankfully I've been able to work throughout. So, uh, yeah, no, all, all all good to be honest. Fantastic. Thanks, thanks, guys, again for joining us. I think uh, all our listeners are are going to be so excited to hear the things that you got to say to us uh, today, and and the things that we're going to talk about. Um, I'm sure. As I say, most of our familiars—sorry, uh, most of our listeners—will be familiar with both of you, gents. Uh, but just as a way of an introduction, Chuck is, of course, an original Tiger, having made the move from Solly or Barons to Telford when the very first team was formed in the town. 
all the way back in the middle of the 80s decade. Lost a long time ago. And uh, Chuck managed uh, and played for the Tigers for a good number of seasons, which many will fondly remember, included that momentous British Division I league title-winning season of 87-88. Chuck finished his playing career with the Nottingham Panthers and his stats from this side of the pond totals 410 league games, scoring 528 goals and 533 assists. Carl is also an original Tiger, having played for Liverpool Leopards, Altrincham Aces and Deeside Dragons before making the move to Telford. Also part of the BD1 title-winning team of 1988, Carl has also played for Solio Barons and has enjoyed a 16-year playing career at senior level. Has been general manager for the GB under-20s, picking up a Junior World Championships Division 1B bronze medal in Majid, France and continues to be a big part of the Tigers coaching team. So thanks again, guys, for coming. Incredible hockey CVs there. Can't wait to get started. So Chuck, if I start with you first, um, what do you do for a living now and, and where do you live currently? Uh, well, I'm, uh, I work in television production uh, now, um, mostly football. Uh, I'm, I'm freelance. I worked at ITV when I finished, <clears throat> excuse me, I worked at ITV when I finished playing hockey and uh, was there until 2004 when we um, they lost all their contracts in sport and we all got made redundant. So now I, I run my own company that um, and I'm basically a floor manager for domestic football. I do some uh, venue managing for UEFA in uh, the Europa League um, and I work mostly football. I've done pretty much every sport that's going and uh, uh, my job would be I'm the director's eyes and ears um, on the ground because he's stuck in a scanner or a, a studio and um, uh, and so I would be doing all the all his groundwork and making sure everybody's where they need to be when they need to be there. Great stuff. Uh, how about you Carl? What, what's the day-to-day -day job and where's home now? Um, so just moved over um, four or five years ago into Herefordshire. Um, my wife's born and bred Herefordshire, so not a million miles away from Telford. Um, a, a tiny little place, Tedstone, Delamere. Nearest village would be Bromyard. Um, and I, I'm still in sort of engineering, marketing. Um, I'm, I'm now sort of working on a consultancy basis. Um, and I do that from home. We publish a magazine and there's an awful lot of digital media. Um, but all predominantly, well, entirely uh, engineering. So uh, uh, that's me. So if, uh, if we just uh, direct this to, to Chuck, obviously as a, as a young person getting into ice hockey, what age did you start? Obviously you're a Canadian, but I see you were born, were you born in the UK? I was. Uh, my uh, father worked with Canadian immigration, was stationed in London for four years. So I was born there on the uh, third year, went back when I was a year old. So I grew up in the prairies um, in Canada and I started skating when I was four um, and probably started playing organized hockey about five or six. Um, uh, so I played in Saskatoon. Uh, most of my, all my sort of uh, junior hockey was in Saskatoon as, uh, until I started playing uh, at, a, at a level uh, in the um, SAJHL at that time uh, and I played with the Saskatoon Olympics which is the farm team for the Blades and played for the Blades and I moved to Brandon Wheat Kings in the WHL, uh, New Westminster Bruins. Um, from there I went to um, um, try out for the Edmonton Oilers, uh, ended up uh, coming back and playing again as an overage in Saskatoon was on my way to Germany to play, and um, uh, that fell through. Uh, through the, I was going to Augsburg, and the, I got a call before I was supposed to go. And back in those days, you just sort of went over and signed everything when you went to camp. And uh, they said uh, we're not. We've, we've lost our sponsor, so we're not going to be able to pay any imports. So that went out the window. I was actually at a party in my hometown of Saskatoon. I ran into a guy who played hockey in Altrincham. And I didn't know that they played hockey in England. So uh, I was a bit really? So I was born there. He went, oh, well, okay. So, um, and so he gave me a Steve Smalls number, uh, uh, who was the secretary of Solihull Barons at the time. So I, I know Mr. Small very, very well. Spent yeah. a long time with Steve in, in Coventry. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Steve, well, Steve's a top man. Now, he, worked yeah. for, he worked for Hot Point, which was... Uh, yeah, he, st he still did until... I left Coventry just about. <laughs> so he went over, he, at that time, how it all 
coincided was he went over to fix Gary Newbon's uh, washer or dryer or something and said, you know, I, I work for the Soleil Brands. We need some sponsorship and some help. And Gary thought, well, it's a local team. I'll help him out. He became the chairman. At the same time, I sort of sent my CV over. And um, uh, so he, he, Gary hired myself and a, a guy called Barry Scrudland to come over and play back in 82. So I came over in November 82 to play for Solly Hall and due to Gary Newborn getting involved and running into Steve Small, who had a letter for me saying, you know, I sent letters over to, to a few places and uh, Steve picked it up. And three, three weeks later after my letter, when I had a plane ticket, because Gary got involved and got daft trucks involved and they paid the freight. <clears throat> so um, Barry and I came over and joined Solly Hall at that time. Can I just ask you, um, what, what was it like in Edmonton uh, when, you were, when you were there? Well, I was, at, I was in training camp at Edmonton with, uh, well, they just won the Stanley Cup the year before. So I, my defense partner in camp was Paul Coffey. Um, you know, oh, yeah. Semenko, Gretzky, all those guys were there. And, and it was fantastic. You know, I mean, it's like uh, when you get to that level, uh, the, the, um, the treatment, everything is top drawer. And, you know, you don't yeah. touch your equipment. You don't do anything. It's just, you know, it's, uh, it's a different, different sort of kettle of fish. Um, and naively, maybe uh, going to Edmonton, uh, to to because they had 43 guys signed a contract which is you know you're never really going to crack that lineup so it was probably the wrong place for me to go uh, at that time and I had a really good training camp uh, I felt good you know no problem with anything did everything that was asked of me and and I remember sitting down with um, Glenn Sather and Ted Green who were uh, he was Glenn obviously the coach and Ted Green was the assistant coach and I said, well, what, they wanted me to go play in Wichita, which I probably would have done. Um, and they, I said, uh, well, what, what do you want me to work on? What would you like me to improve on? You know, what do I, you know, what, what do you want to see from me to crack this lineup? And they both looked at each other and they couldn't tell me because they didn't know. And they basically, I was padding, you know, padding the camp out, numbers game, didn't know. So I sort of got disillusioned with the game and, and I left. And I just said, tell her, get me a plane ticket home. That's fine. I went back to Saskatoon and I was just so I thought well that's my hockey over and um I ran into um uh, a coach I used to play for he was um uh, running the 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 Saskatoon Jays which is a team that guys like uh, Dean Vogelsang, Dave Houston, you know Billy Sofiak people like that played with so um and that's when I I, I said oh, he, he talked me back into playing again and then that's when I ran the year after is when I started like I wrote letters that year to everywhere the Augsburg thing was going to happen and then ended up, uh, um, ended up in Solihull. So, uh, that, that was sort of that year. So uh, a guy called Tom Meldrum, who was, um, my coach when I played, uh, sort of peewee and Bantam, he, he was coaching the team and he was the guy who rescued me to play, to keep going, uh, cause I was going to quit. So, uh, he, he got me back involved again and, uh, and then that's how I ended up basically coming to Europe in the end. So just, just to say, I mean, to, to be at the Edmonton Oilers training camp in that era when Edmonton Oilers were, you know, by far and away the best team and, and to be around that environment with some of those players. I mean, that was a pretty tough, tough group to crack um, for, for any player. Did you go from there back to junior hockey then? I was 19, so I went back and played a year as an overage. Um, yeah. And at that time, that you could do that as a twenty-year-old, so that was what I did. And then, and then, so, then I came over to Solihull when I was twenty-one. Yeah. So you're pretty young then when you came to the UK, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, uh, it was it was really exciting, and and I mean, the UK was a very different place then. I, I remember coming here and thinking, Christ, this is a. It was totally different than at home. Um, it was. Uh, <laughs> It was 25 pence a pint. Uh, you know, the average <laughs> wage is probably 60 quid a week for most people. Uh, it was it was a totally different. It was totally different than anywhere. There was no bottled beer. Everything was you know draft yeah. beer in the pub. Um, you know, people the, uh, the the life revolved around um, people going to the pub. I, I seems to be the my undergoing. Uh, uh, from that era, because people would go from 12 to 2.30, whether they worked or not. Yeah, yeah. Go to the pub at lunchtime, have, have pub lunch and have a few beers and then go 
go on and um uh, and i remember my first curry uh you know things all <laughs> it, was a, it was a it was an extremely exciting time because it was different than anything i'd ever experienced and um uh, and and i loved it and i only expected to really come for a year i thought i'll come because uh, having been born in uh in london um, i thought well it gives me a chance to go see where i was born which i did i went down and visited um some uh, friends of my parents <clears throat> who ran the pub, the, their local pub, and I stayed with them uh, in Finchley, down in London. Uh, so it was, you know, it was all good. I saw my my folks' old stomping ground from the, when they were here, and uh, and it was it was it was just a really really exciting time. Um, I have to say, to continue on with that, is that I actually thought, well, I, I wasn't going to stay either because the the hockey in Solihull was terrible. And, um, uh, and so we hadn't met, I hadn't actually met Gary yet. And, and I, and I said to Scrud, I said, right, we got to meet the chairman. Cause like, this is nowhere land for us. You know, we played like a, you know, a, a level that was pretty good. And, and yeah. this, this, the, we went out the first training session I went to at Solihull, they threw the puck on the ice and chased it around and said, we're thinking what's going on here, you know, cause we were going <laughs> expecting to get coached and there was no coach. Yeah. You know, so, um, so, because it was all we just kind of came, and uh, I remember Roddy Turner. We we got a, they, we got to London Heathrow, and uh, you, we caught a bus up to Digbeth Coach Station, and Rod Turner picked us up there in his little mini, drove us back, and and to Solly Hall, and was like, uh, well, you know, what's going on? It was really kind of a strange sort of thing, and uh, when I when I look back on it now, you probably it would never happen now, but again, <laughs> quite exciting. And uh, so we, we decided that we would have a meeting with uh, Gary. It was about two weeks after we got here. We said, we have a meeting with Gary um, to just, you know, I said, well, I'm going to go tell him I come out of here, you know? So we, and he, he, he said, right. Okay, boys. He said, uh, we'll take you out. We'll go up for dinner. Cause I haven't met you. So he took us to Lorenzo's restaurant in Digbeth. Um, Lorenzo became a great friend after this, by the way, but um, uh, so he sat us down at dinner and, I went with full intentions to say, I'm gone. And by the time I left, we bought into everything he told us. And, um, and we, and here, I'm still here. And Gary is still a great pal of mine. So, uh, and, uh, and Telford wouldn't be here without him either, by the way. So, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He a lot. he's got a lot of, um, uh, he, he really loved, he championed hockey and he was a great uh, advocate of the game. He loved it. And, um, so and he basically said, here's what I want to do. And I need you guys if you're going to if we're going to achieve it. And, and everything he said happened because he had he had the media side working in the media. So we just went we went to every, um, you know, sportsman's dinner and we got introduced to Adam and we just pushed hockey, pushed hockey, pushed hockey. And it was a constant bang, bang, bang all the time. And um, and so and by the when we went there, there was 25 people in the rink at Solly Hall. By the time we left, the place was packed. You know, like that's yeah. that's your yeah. <clears throat> Christmas time probably. It was about a month and a half. That place was packed. He had the yeah. sponsors in. He had everyone in there, and then the place was humming. So it was good. Uh, but that was you know he was he was a he was a, he, he he was a I've always had a contract with everybody, and I never had a contract with Gary when I played with him, which is unusual for a, a sportsman because you know you could get whacked out and something and yeah but for some reason i trusted him and and i wouldn't be sitting here today if i didn't good good stuff um carl how did it all start for you then mate uh you know uh what team did you play for as a junior um junior we're just kids say eh? there was no system you know you think I'm, I'm a little bit a little bit younger than chuck but you think i was seven in 1970 you know, guys were still playing without helmets, wooden sticks, all that sort of stuff. We did. We I skated very young because my my dad played a bit of hockey. And my mum skated. A Liverpool ice rink was a real uh, sociable place type thing. I mean, the first time I actually skated was three years of age. Um, then my sister came along, and it was a few years after. But I started playing hockey. I, I remember sort of nine or ten, but just going, just going, turning up at the rink borrowing equipment, drain, taping things to your body, no helmets, no nothing, um, no coach, no organization. It was just a scrimmage. It was like kicking the ball around in the playground. There was no yeah, limit yeah. to no. Just a look, just, you know, however many aside. Um, 
and that was that was my early sort of hockey memories. And then slowly over the years, still at Liverpool, you know, a coach did turn up and and and, and somebody did and, and, and bring around some drills and some exercises and some things to do. And it's slowly become a little bit more organised. But you still, you know, we're still early 70s, you know, I'm yeah. 73, I'm 10 years of age. And then I must admit from 10 onwards, by the time I was 15, I got picked to play for the, for the senior team, for the Liverpool Leopards, in what yeah, was yeah. called a Southern Hockey League. Um, and it was, it was a bit of a gong show. Um, we had some, I was 15 and guys were 20 odd, 30 odd years of age on the team. They'd go out and just beat the hell out of people. Um, and the old adage as you know, went to a fight and an ice hockey match broke out. You know, that was kind of, kind of true, slow, heavy equipment, all that sort of stuff. Um, but slowly but surely became more and more organized. And, and we picked up a coach, Oki Arm, who'd been up at Murrayfield, played Trey Kroner, uh, played in Sweden. He was a painter and decorator. How he ended up in Liverpool, I never know. Uh, he did some hockey camps over at Deeside Leisure Centre. You know, now, now, we're getting, now we're getting into late 70s type thing. Um, and it, it, it definitely started to take off. Liverpool... So how, so how did you get selected for the, for the Liverpool Leopards then, Carl? You know, from that progression of unorganised hockey to a senior team, very different environment from what Chuck was raised, I imagine, in terms of the, the professionalism around the ice hockey. How, how did that go for you? So me and, me and a couple of younger lads, Lol Paul, um, who played for the Tigers also, we, we went to some hockey camps. Um, uh, we went to Oki Arms Hockey Schools. And we went to, these things started becoming more and more popular. And we were the young kids on the team. You know, I was 15 years of age. Yeah. Lol was maybe 16. Um, I think Bernie Butler was already playing for the, for the Leopards. He was a couple of years older again. And we just, be, we, we got invited to train with the, with, with the Leopards. Um, and we were bet we got better and better. We were skating better. We what Oki Armour taught us. We were playing better. We were passing the puck better. And the older guys were, were you know, their positions were under threat to some degree. Um, but they weren't going to relinquish their places. You know, we were just kids paying to play. And uh, quite often, quite often, we were just punch bags for some of these older guys. <laughs> but, but, but like I say, it was pretty. You know, you, you, you couldn't back down, even you couldn't back down. You, it was pretty rough, to be honest with you. Um, you know, but this is, like you say, this so, is very early, very early. So 75, 76. How, 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 how did you get selected for the team? <laughs> I know where you're oh, going. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the, the, some of the older guys who we'd obviously become better than, um, there wasn't a big squad. I think we had jerseys from like one to 18. And there was one lad um, who played number six, a forward, a winger. And, he, you know, he was, he would just become, I wouldn't say too old, but we just, the younger lads were, were better. And it was time for him to move on. Anyway, none of the older guys were going to relinquish their, their places or their jerseys or the number on their jerseys. And this is why... Um, yeah, it's why I kind of always ended up playing number six, uh, because the guy whose place I took, Alan Sang, played number six, um, but I had to, <laughs> I had to fight him, or he had, <laughs> yeah, he was smaller than me. I was quite lucky, but I had to fight him to get his place because that was the whole thing. If you were, if you were a good fighter, and and maybe the hockey, <laughs> whatever, that'd go you, down well now, eh? Hey? I'd be wearing, I'd be wearing double zero. <laughs> it, it, was, it was crazy. It was crazy. No one was going to give up their spot, whether you were the better player. No one was going to give up their spot easily. And I literally had to have this, in a practice, this fight. Uh, and then we shook hands and I ended up playing number six for the, for the Liverpool Leopards. Uh, and and yeah. poor Mr. Alan Sang, was, he was out. That was him done. Hockey it, it, career it, over. He was gone. He, you know, the coach, he was... You know, this was the, the coach had made his decision type thing and had more say on the team and uh, his influence got greater and greater. And it got, like I say, it got so much more organised than just a bunch of guys skating around and occasionally punching hell out of each other. 
Okay, folks, that's it for part one of this podcast episode with Chuck and Carl and obviously Tom joining in uh, on our uh, interview uh, questions. There's plenty more to come in part two, so do subscribe and make sure you join us and our special guest next Saturday as we continue to take it right back where we started from. Thanks for listening and stay tuned.